what the profession needs are individuals who can interpret and apply. It's not about the do. It's about can you interpret and can you apply the standards? Can you think? Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Happy holidays and welcome to episode 81. Today, my guest is my good friend, Jerry Esselstein, who is the principal in Jerry L. Esselstein Company, LLC, a business advisory, strategic planning, and project management firm. Jerry's career includes national firm, advisory board, and private company executive level experience. His firm provides strategic planning, implementation strategies, personnel development, and performance measurement while advising private company owners, executives, and other senior management groups. As you'll hear in the interview, Jerry has an extensive leadership background in the accounting profession, which is the foundation of our conversation. Our discussion focuses on the future outlook of the accounting profession. However, you don't have to be an accountant to listen to this episode because the information in our interview applies to many professions and businesses. Because the discussion focuses on the critical leadership skills needed in the new business landscape. For those CPAs listening, you may have less than a week in order to meet your CPE requirements for the year. A quick way to pick up some needed credits would be to listen to the first five episodes of this podcast, which are qualified for CPE self-study credit under the NASBA category of personal development. Those interviews are with Clark Price, who's the retired CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs, Mike Scorantino, who is the author of the book Gratitude Marketing, Tom Hood, who's the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs, Ed Mendelwitz, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Witham, Smith & Brown, and Carl Ulrichs, who's a human resource professional at the insurance company of Gregory & Appel. These episodes are located on the Business Learning Institute's website, and they are mobile-friendly. Go to their website and create an account on your desktop or laptop computer and purchase an episode. Now you can listen to that episode on your mobile device at any time. For example, on your daily commute, while you're working out, or even at your desk. When you're finished, you can take the review and final exam on your mobile device or on your computer. It's that easy. While all selected Improv is No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the Business Learning Institute website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get the detailed instructions on how to create your account and purchase an episode by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn, Improv is No Joke Podcast on the homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of receiving CPE credit. I'm also currently in the process of writing my next book with the working title of Financial Storytelling. 
and I'm previewing content on my social media. If you'd like to preview this content, connect with me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter and Instagram, search P. Margaritas, and on LinkedIn, just search Peter Margaritas. Now, there are two Peter Margaritas in the greater Columbus area, but only one is a CPA. For the holidays, you can purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life for $14.99 and the shipping's free. By going to petermargaritas.com and clicking the Available Now icon. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $14.99 so you can listen on the go. Receive a 10% discount by using the word improv at checkout. If you'd like a bulk order for your office or gifts for your clients, contact me at peter at petermargaritas.com for volume discounts. Now that that's out of the way, let's get to the interview with Jerry Esselstein. Today's episode is being recorded at the estate of Mr. Jerry Esselstein. And first and foremost, Jerry, thank you, one, for letting me in the door. And two, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to spend with me on my podcast. Well, actually, I assumed that if I made you come down here, you wouldn't want to do the podcast. So I gambled <laughs> and lost. And lost. You thought I'd come down and we just go right to lunch. I'm doing it for food. Doing it for food, exactly. I'm doing it for food. And Jerry, just can I give the audience just a little bit, a condensed version of your STEAM background? You said this was only like 20 minutes. <laughs> That's why I said a condensed. Oh, condensed yeah. version. Yeah. Uh, 44 years in a profession since graduation. Accountancy board, seven years. AICPA board, three years. AICPA council, seven years. OSCPA, past president. Did I hit it all? I think you missed it. I worked at Center of Public Trust on the board there for NASBA. And you forgot your tenure as chair of the CPA Foundation. Oh, how could you forget sure. that? Well, <laughs> it was the one I enjoyed more than all the others. <laughs> chair of the foundation. So spread that over the last 30 years. I've been, I would say, highly engaged in a profession. Highly engaged in the profession. So I guess my one of my questions I have is, with all this vast knowledge that you have and the variety of leadership roles that you've been in, look into your crystal ball, mm-hmm. and we don't have to polish it that much because I was going to say, what, what, what do you, how do you see this profession five, seven years from now? What, what, first, what, what changes do you anticipate or, or, or what, what skills are needed by CPAs as we move forward into the years of nearing 2025, 2030? Well, the first thing you have to ask is, will we need CPAs? Now, I happen to think we will, but they're going to be very limited in their scope, no pun intended. They're going to be focused, continue to focus on compliance. They're going to be focused on analytics. They're still going to be giving assurance based on historical performance. The question is, who's going to be involved in forecasting? Who's going to be involved in advising companies how to grow? Who's going to be involved in merger and acquisition? Well, if you're on the audit side, 
your exposure to all those other opportunities becomes extremely limited just due to independence. So the more we tighten down the independence of the auditor, the more we want rotation of partners, the more we're seeing the attempt to get rotation of firms, we're providing a process assurance to the investment community, which fills probably a fraction of what they need. Because, yes, we need to know what happened really did happen. Mm -hmm. Someone comes in to say what management said happened really did happen, and you can put our seal on that. Mm -hmm. But that's a fraction because information's in real time today. Decisions are not being based on historical performance. Nearly as much is on real-time information. Okay. So this compliant aspect. So we talk about the audit. We can talk about tax. We can talk about technology and the impact technology will have where we still need to be the compliance. We'll still need to put the financial statements together. We'll still need to do all of that. However, we may not have to do the grunt work anymore. We may not have to do the crunching of the numbers per se with artificial intelligence and, and Watson. And, and I, I, I don't know if you, maybe you can explain this to me. Do you know what blockchain is? I have read a lot on blockchain and it, I am not even going to try and answer the question. It's, uh, I, I thought it was an intestinal disorder at first that only accountants could get, but <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've read on it and I can't explain it, but you know, so taking that, that train of thought, Let's assume that with technology and with, well, let's just assume with technology, we need fewer and fewer headcount. The headcount's smaller. Right. The profession in the United States doesn't need a million accountants, 400,000 of which are certified. We might need a fraction of that because we have all these tools at hand and they take away all the grunt work. Let's make that assumption. Okay. Well, then the educational model for CPAs is going to have to change drastically. <laughs> the eye of the needle putting people through the exam. That noise you hear in the background is more money going into Jerry's account. <laughs> <laughs> did sound like that, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did sound like that. It's just how we educate, how the exam is, the ability to think versus the ability to process. Mm-hmm. All those things are going to come into play. Right now, we're educating people to know the technical side of the profession. We ask them to put their head down for five years, crunch numbers, put out financial statements. We really I joke all the time that an accountant's best day is they don't have to talk to another person. <laughs> They're just involved in doing their work, whether it be a tax compliance, whether it be assurance services. They're billing by the hour. They're trying to figure out how to make money doing compliance work. Right. I think the exam is attractive to individuals who like that solitude in that that precision. But what the profession needs are individuals who can interpret and apply. It's not about the do. It's about can you interpret and can you apply the standards? Can you think? Right. My fear right now... There's more money. <laughs> ...is we're getting a lot of people who can't. 
Well, they were if they're taught the traditional way of accounting in the universities, it's read the chapter, go do the problems, call it a day. Versus, and and you being a graduate of Ohio University and been on the advisory board, accounting advisory board, know that they use a different model that. Uh, BAM model, which is more about solving a problem versus problem solving. True. True. And I had the privilege of teaching at Ohio State University for six years. The on a, Ohio State? The Ohio State University. In there as a lecturer, and even though the course was interpretation and application of behavioral standards, ethics, mm-hmm. I still was in front of 50 students who have gone through their four years of accounting. Half of them have probably already passed the exam, and they're coming back getting a master's of accountancy. Mm-hmm. These individuals, just by definition, are the the top. Right. The cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. All right? There was still a tendency to, what are the rules? I need to follow the rules. And I get my butt kicked if I don't follow the rules. So tell me what the rules are. They, their need for external structure is extremely high. If you go to Caliper Corporation and you go to Caliper's website, caliper.com, you'll learn about the 21 innate traits individuals have. Two of those, one is external structure, one's self-structure. External structure, do you need it or don't you need it? If you're hiring for someone to do a job that's Mm well-defined, you want someone who needs external structure. They want to follow the rules. They're not going to think too far outside of the rules because that's just in their DNA. Self-structure individual, in the absence of the rules, I'll figure out what to do. I think the accounting profession is attractive to individuals that have a high level of thoroughness, a high need for external structure. Mm-hmm. Their ego drive doesn't have to be that high. Their ego resilience, because fear of making a mistake can ruin your career. There's a lot of fear there. Right. Where there's fear, there's filters. So people behave different as soon as they're afraid. Right. So who are we attracting to the profession? Now, what we haven't gotten into yet is where's the profession going, which you asked early on? Yes. AICPA, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. No, the Association of International Professional... International Certified Professional Accountants. Accountants. I mean, we take the same letters to define a different group. In that group, CGMAs. Mm -hmm. I bet we're going to have more than just one or two designations. They'll fit in that group. We're going to have associate members. All those things, do they strengthen the profession or do they weaken the profession? Well, I'm not going to answer that. But what they do do is limit the expanse that a pure CPA can do. Because a pure CPA right now is going to do assurance work or they're going to do tax work. The pure CPA, yes. The pure CPA. They're going to do assurance work. They're going to do tax work. CPA firms today are trying to do a whole lot of other things in the world of IT, IT security, human resources, consulting, merger and acquisition. Right, right. They're trying systems development. They're trying to put that skill set to work, but it's inconsistent with the people, the eye of the needle, 
that young people have to go through to become a CPA. So how can we get someone who goes through the discipline, the rigor of the curriculum to become a CPA, and who's attracted to that, Mm -hmm. then wants to work in a profession doing insurance and tax, and then at some year, be it year four, seven, nine, 12, flip a switch and become an advisor, trusted advisor, (laughs) consultant, people making that leap, they're few and far between. I think that, and you, I've heard you say this before, uh, is the Peter Drucker, Peter principle. Are we promoting them to the level of their incompetence? Because yes. my, my mind, we are. And, yeah. and, we, and we have been doing this over the years because you, you, firm, you bring somebody in, new staff, and you said this earlier, we fill their head the first five years with technical accounting knowledge, then we promote them to a manager. Now they've got to manage people, people. and there's not a skill set there. For you got to have a relationship with the client that is both a strong relationship yet independent. Right. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. That's tough. It's a tough, tough model. So in the absence of people with that skill set, other individuals are going to come in and fill those gaps. And the best example I can think of off the top of my head in the world of IT, accountants are not IT people. And when you get accountants who are IT people, you got something special, but that's not the majority. Right. So the IT people, the assurance of the system, some of these IT systems, let's go back to... Bitcoin and blockchain and everything else. How would accountants audit that? (laughs) Apparently, you don't have to audit it from what I understand. It's because you see both sides of the transaction, but I I can't go down that slippery slope because I don't have that vast extensive knowledge of it. I'm just going to say I agree with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a backhanded applause. (laughs) Yes. Finally. (laughs) <laughs> said something I totally agree with. <laughs> and how many years did it take? <laughs> a long time. So the prof- the profession is definitely in transition, but it's always been in transition. We're always going to have a need for what I'll call the pure CPA, but it's not going to be the person with the range and the breadth of, of knowledge, talent. Talent. The, the range and breadth of talent in order to serve a significant part of what a client or a company needs. So we got it going back to the AICPA, what they're trying to do on an international basis and new members for a company to get the help it needs in the next five, seven, 10 years, it's going to need more than a CPA and an attorney. It's going to need specialists in a whole lot of areas. So let me ask you this question. We've been saying for how many years for the ASCPA, we want our members to be a, the trusted business advisor. Right. For, but would you agree there's a difference between a trusted business advisor and a trusted financial advisor? No. No. <laughs> Not where you go with that. No. I. Well, I, I, I mean, say, trust is the threat. I mean, the trust is a threat. Accounting's, accounting's the, the language of finance. Accounting's the language of business you're going to surround yourself with trusted individuals. You know, when, with my clients, it's one day talking about succession planning. One day is talking about uh, financial planning on an individual basis. One day it's talking about financial planning for the company. 
all of that, I act as a quarterback. I don't act as the expert. I bring in the individuals who have taken the time to specialize in that niche, but someone still has to knit it together. But you understand your client's business, correct? You have to. Okay. I have to understand if, if, if it's a car dealership, you got to understand the language of car dealerships. You got to understand how they make money. You got to understand the front end versus the back end, the body shop versus service, parts versus whatever, prep. You got to understand customer service scores. You definitely have to understand the manufacturer they represent. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't make my case for me because that's what we that's what we need. That that's a trusted business advisor, but a lot of times CPAs are the trusted financial advisor because they don't understand the totality of the business. But you can't be a financial. You cannot be a trusted financial advisor because how do we know you understand finance if you don't understand the application of the finance to the business model you're in? Well, I. I I believe some, you know, they, they look at that trusted, they're, they're, they're part of, the, they're one of the silos within the organization. They understand the financials, they understand the, the, the debits, the credits, the general ledger, yada, yada, yada. But outside of it, they might not understand what goes on, truly goes on in customer service. Well, then service. they're not a trusted financial advisor. They are a trusted compliance provider. I'll take the trusted compliance provider. But what you just described, if that, you, here's ahead, the trusted compliance provider. If you hire me or you hire my firm, we're going to keep your butt out of trouble with Department of Labor. We're going to keep it out of trouble with ERISA. We're going to keep it out of trouble with SEC. We're going to keep you out of trouble. We're going to make sure you comply with all their rules and regulations. That is a trusted, trusted. compliance provider. They might be a CPA. But their ability to interpret financial information on behalf of that client in that industry, they got to become a trusted advisor, a business advisor. Yeah. So let's let me play with the word trust for a second. There's a book I highly recommend. It's called The Trust Edge by David Horsager. I saw him speak uh, this summer at the National Speakers Association, and this quote has resonated with me. And I think you'll agree with it. Uh, everything of value is built on trust. Uh, lack of trust is the biggest expense organizations incur. Just because we're having this great conversation, and I love to argue with you. I know. I, I'm not as in love with the quote as you are, because <laughs> I see a big difference between trust and confidence. And confidence. 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 So, I want to hire. I want to hire someone I trust, but trust is something I give to somebody automatically until they choose to lose it. They can't come in and say, "Jerry, trust me," because right there, I'm already on right. edge. My name is Bernie Madoff. Trust yes, me. Trust me. So, trust is not something you earn. Trust is something you lose. Confidence is something you earn. So, can you come in and do the job for me? All right, this morning, just an example, because I told you I was going to run late because of a plumber. Right. Doing a uh, desalination of a tankless water heater that's been installed 14 months. 
in did I want to go on YouTube and do it myself or did <laughs> I want to pay 200 bucks and have a plumber come in and do it? Well, first time through, I looked at the manufacturer. I found the company they recommended. Mm-hmm. I talked to him on the phone. I got a journeyman plum, plumber to come out. He did a phenomenal job, but I trusted he would do a good job. When I saw how he behaved, my confidence in him, mm-hmm. I had trust in the firm, I had trust in the guy. They were coming out, I'm going to give them 200 bucks, they're going to do the job. But once I got to know him and talk to him, so now my confidence in him combined with the trust makes him a trusted plumber advisor. But it's got to take two. So the confidence, people interchange confidence and trust. I hear executives all the time going, yeah, the CEO doesn't trust me. Now, the CEO didn't trust you, you'd be gone. Yeah. CEO doesn't have confidence you're going to deliver things on a regular basis or whatever. So when I see individuals fail to perform, it's not because they're not trusted. It's because, one, they don't have the knowledge, the skills, the ability, the attitude, or the aptitude, or their boss just decides, I don't have the confidence they can do the job. They're how many times you hear he's a C player, she's a B player? Yeah. Oh, here's an A player. Right, right, right. Companies, companies, if they just worked really hard to get A players, and if they, there's a great book out there, the Necessary Endings. Necessary right? Indians? No. Necessary Endings. Oh, Endings. Endings. Okay, clear my ears. I think the I think the author's last name is Cloud. Okay. But it just talks about pruning and working with the business and not letting tolerance turn to acceptance where you got these C plus players, B minus players, you're constantly striving for excellence. Mm-hmm. You know, when we in our profession we got a prof, we got a standard called due care. What is due care? Yeah, it's like blockchain. What the hell is due care? <laughs> uh, due care is your ongoing quest for excellence. In due care, we as CPAs don't define it. It's defined for us. What's the expectation of our clients? They expect our data to be hacked. They expect to find their files laying around. No, they expect due care. Well, it's constantly changing, especially in the digital world. And I got us off topic. So what's your next question? No, that, that, that's fine. We can go down this path uh, with, with, with due care because with due care comes continuing professional education and, and maintaining that competency and, to your point, the confidence that we can walk in and provide that assurance or, or solve that problem that our clients, and when I say clients, I mean both, you know, for public accounting as well as for B&I, that, that, that we can solve those problems. So you being a past, being involved with the National Association of State Boards of Accountancy, how do you see continuing education changing? You said digital, but uh, in Indiana, they passed um, competency-based learning as part of the licensing for CPAs, which right now only consists of maybe about 15 hours, but it is not, I'm going to sit, I'm going to collect my eight hours, and I'm going to go. There's some back and forth uh, learning that goes on versus being that lecture lecture two. Competency-based learning right now is I'm going to teach the answers 
and ask you the obvious questions. I don't have a lot of faith in it. I think I think anyone with a three-digit IQ understands continuing professional education should be renamed continuing awareness of what's going on in tax. So if I'm going to sit through eight hours of tax, I don't do tax returns, all right? I do my own. That's dangerous. Mm -hmm. But I want to know, because I'm a CPA and I go to cocktail parties, I want to know a little bit about tax because that's the only question I ever get asked. (laughs) I want to know what's going on in the A&A community. Mm -hmm. When I need it, I got to go research it. When I get a client issue, I got to call my network. I got to call individuals. Again, I'm a coordinator, a quarterback. I can't have all the knowledge. But it's been a long time since I sat through a CPE class where I went, damn, I learned something. They gave me a problem to solve, or they made me think. It's been a long, long time. When I know, and I'm not going to name the uh, departments that have this testing at the end, but again... They teach to the test mm-hmm. because the instructor is going to be judged on how many people pass. Oh, we're talking about higher education now. Yeah, we're talking about higher <laughs> education. So I, I, there is not a formula other than awareness of what's going on. So I tell my clients, hey, I'm involved, I'm engaged. You know, when we talk about everything I've done in the profession, right. well, I've gotten more out of the profession than I've ever given. Mm-hmm. And that looks good. That tells people about my attitude. That tells people about my aptitude. Tells people about my passion. Mm -hmm. Tells people about what I want to do. If I make a mistake, it's an honest mistake. It's not because I'm sloppy. You know, so CPAs are saying, I'm doing these things to stay current. But I still got to research a problem. Right. Because I got to make sure, you know, even when I'm on the instructor side, I know what I said, but I have no idea what they heard. So they, (laughs) and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You know. So any problem, oh, by the way, you cannot remember what you never knew. I just want to point that out to your listeners because they might not get that. Could you repeat that again? Well, well, I forget. (laughs) See? Yeah. What's this impromptu? What? Don't forget the improv. Yeah, improv. Improv. Yeah. So what we're doing now a little bit, just trying to figure out. Okay, good. When's lunch? Wherever, wherever, wherever in Florida. I was wondering what that growling was. (laughs) We're just about at the end. Oh, good. I'll let y'all feel here just a moment or two. Funny, I've rambled. I don't know. I can't remember what I said. Well, you've tied it all through because I I started off by asking, where do you see the profession in five plus years? And you've answered that question in in a variety of ways. For, For CPAs, it's going to be much more narrow. Right, but you also uh, defined it in the sense of leadership skills, communication skills, problem-solving skills, uh, versus the the, the the basic technical skills that are drilled into our head. We we need we still need that, but the profession is much more than that. Let's draw an analogy to the medical profession. CPAs are the general practitioner today. Yeah, that's all they are. If I think I know more about merger and acquisition and business valuation than individuals I see with four and five acronyms behind their name mm-hmm. and certifications. So my self-certification in business valuation doesn't really permit me to do it. But when I see the work of others, I go, well, this is kind of a pile of crap. 
But as a CPA, I'm allowed to do business valuations. Mm-hmm. But I can't devalue it because if there was ever a question, they're going to go, what, what are your credentials other than CPA? Well, why didn't you get the AICPA's designation mm-hmm. for business valuation? I don't have answers for all that. So the, when you look at the medical profession, my general practitioner, my gatekeeper, mm-hmm. has to send me to here, in here, in here, in here. Their knowledge is general. They're back to playing gatekeeper. CPA is going to become gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. The People are going to become individuals. I think there's a tendency for people to specialize. Right. Now, I'm not going to cite firm names, but we now hire people at 22. They come out four years. They pass the exam. Right. And we put them where we need them. We don't put them where they need to be. We say, I need somebody in the tax department. I need somebody in governmental auditing. I need somebody in not-for-profit. We stick them in there where the need is. And they're too young, too naive, too inexperienced to say, wow, I need to round out experiences. The more clients I can be in, the more diversity of types of clients I can be in, the more places I can go. Wow, when I'm 30. Wow, that's old. When I'm 30, that's going to allow me to choose Mm -hmm. a career that's far more fulfilling than if I get trapped in. I've talked to a 32-year-old CPA who says, I hate what I do. And the individual was in not-for-profit auditing. And I go, why don't you get out of that and do something else? says, I just think with all the years I've invested in this, this is probably now where I have to spend my career. My next word, because I'm known for being blunt, is <laughs> you are an idiot. <laughs> now, I put a couple adjectives in there just for color. Spice, yeah. Spice, Spice. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's like chili without chili powder. But right. anyhow, uh, these young kids, they get, I've invested. Or now, I'm out six years, I'm married, I got two kids, I got whatever. I got to stay in the rut that I've carved for myself. Firms do a big disservice. One of the beauties of the big four, for lack of that, Mm -hmm. is I think today you still get a broad-based experience. I'm not sure, but everyone specializes. Right. And nothing wrong with that, but we still need the person that understands the specialties Mm -hmm. and can direct. I'm off my soapbox. Okay. So, like I said, You've summed it all up. Great. But the one thing, but, 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 but there's a thread in here that you said earlier, and you've said it in a variety of different ways about relationships right. and building networks and not talking IT networks. We're talking professional right. networks. That I think that's a skill set that has been lost, especially in a lot of, of new people coming into the profession and even those who are in the profession because I'll ask CPAs, how many of you like to network? If I have 50 people in the class, I get maybe five. If you go to Caliper's website. I heard about them. Recently? Um, within the last 20 minutes. Okay. okay. And you look, at, you look at a couple traits, innate traits. How gregarious are you? How social are you? Now, social is once you become my friend, yeah. once you're in my circle, 
and I have trust and confidence, or at least I know why I don't trust you or don't have confidence, but you're in my circle. How social? A really social person wants to control the agenda. I mean, I'll go out with any couple or any group as long as they do what I want to do. <laughs> but if they want to go do something I don't want to do, and then, you know, I'll stay home and watch my 64-inch TV. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need that. So my sociability among people I know is pretty high as long as they want to do what I do. Mm. Gregarious is the ability to just go into a foreign room, not knowing anyone, and network and make those acquaintances. How comfortable, keyword, how comfortable are you doing that? Caliber can tell you how comfortable you will be. Now, can you adapt your behaviors? Can you go, that looks extremely painful, but I can fight through the pain and do it? Yes, but you got to want to. You got to want to learn to do that. You got to have a coach that says, here's how you do it. Doing the uncomfortable is the first thing you cut back. You you just shy away from it. Right. You back off. So that's where we need a coach and a mentor. You got to see other people, how they do it. Mm. Coaching, mentoring, training, God, it's no longer in the system. No, it needs, it needs to be back into the system because self interest. Let's wrap up on this. Okay. Self interest. We're doing what you want to do. Yeah. Well, okay. this isn't very social because <laughs> right now I'm not having fun. I'm getting, I'm getting mad. But self interest <laughs> is killing us right now from the president oh, yeah. all the way to. From the president all the way down to staff in a CPA firm. Yeah. Self-interest is killing it. What's in it for me? Right. What do I get out of it? That's cultural. That didn't happen with a light switch. Right. That's happened. We got to be able to look back 10 years, 15 years. We've lost something. Now, we could say maybe we're too secular in our society. Maybe we can say the educational model is too industrial revolution. I don't know the cause, but I sure are beginning to see the symptoms. Self-interest. Self-interest. It's killing us. It came, it came in my administration. <laughs> it, was, it was during my administration that I became very self-interested in myself. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. Well, Jerry, we'll, we'll, we'll go to lunch. We'll wrap this up. I'm are you to, a tweeter? I, I'm, yes, I'm on Twitter. Okay, good. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, InstaFace, Instagram. Okay, so do you have time to do anything else? I don't spend a lot of time on it. This morning I was promoting this week's podcast on social media. Uh-huh. Um, I will check in every now and then, but I don't let it. I don't. Have let you it... gotten more listeners than just family at this point? No, just family. Just family. Just family. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my family keeps growing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> just... <laughs> I would like to thank Jerry again for sharing his knowledge and thoughts on the future outlook of the accounting profession, along with the skills and competencies that future leaders must possess. In episode 82, my guest is Tim Sinclair, who is an industry consulting director at Webster Rogers LLP. Webster Rogers LLP is a leading South Carolina-based accounting and consulting firm that provides a broad spectrum of assurance, tax, and advisory services to their clients. I hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable holiday season and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization and in your life. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.